14 days till Christmas, everybody. 14. All right. How many have all of your Christmas shopping done? Raise your hand. Christmas shopping is done. Christina, Adam. How many have like 80% still to go? You're like, I have a long, long ways to go. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Here's the deal. I love Christmas. We've talked about this before, okay? I love that Christmas is about Jesus. I love that there's song, Christmas songs about Jesus. I love that there's Christmas movies. Anybody Chris, Christmas movie fan in the house? Like, how many of you? Elf, Elf, we love Elf. Um, no, not Elf. Oh, we're going to pray for you too today, okay? Uh, we have Elf. What, what else do we have? Christmas Vacation. We have... Yes, the holiday, yes, the holiday, oh my gosh, so good. Love Christmas movies, love family at Christmas, love Christmas parties. Anybody a Christmas party fan? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, uh, how about white elephant Christmas parties? Okay, can we just discuss this for a second? There's no elephant at these elephant Christmas parties, okay? And elephants aren't white, so why do we call them white elephant? I called it Dirty Santa from where I came from, okay? Play Dirty Santa because Santa's coming and stealing presents, okay? Love Christmas, okay? Now, if there's one thing I can say that I don't care so much about Christmas is this, okay? It is 100% Christmas cards, okay? How many of you like Christmas cards? You're a Christmas card fan. Yeah? You love Christmas cards? Okay. Listen, I get about a million Christmas cards every year, and I love your beautiful families, but every card is the exact same thing, and it's repetitive over and over again, and I am such a gift person that if a gift doesn't come in the card, I'm like, oh, that's nice. Uh, uh, here you go, boys. You know, do whatever. But last night, I got to say, I got a Christmas card. I went to the mailbox, and I'm expecting something, and it didn't come. And so I had this Christmas card in my hand, and I was on the way in, and I was like, ah, it's another Christmas card, you know. i got to look at another picture. And, and nobody's going to ever send me a Christmas card again, okay, I promise. So I got this Christmas card in the mail last night. Throw it up there on the screen for everybody. Can we just, that is the greatest Christmas card I have ever laid my eyes on. That is Austin. He goes to our church. He's one of our 20-somethings in the church. The fact that he took a picture with his cat, okay, his cat, and that he took the time to edit this photo. He took the time to actually mail these out. Listen, if you're going to send me a Christmas card, please Make me laugh because that, I promise you, I promise you, I will frame this and it will go in my office forever, okay? That is how much I enjoyed seeing that picture. I mean, I pulled it out and I was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. This is a gift in itself right here. So it, any hand wrote a note on the bag. I mean, it was legit. Now, here's the deal. I love gifts. Can I get an amen? Anybody else in here love gifts? Can we just be honest? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, gifts 
are a big deal. I, my love language is gifts. I tell my wife all the time, you can blame my grandparents. Uh, back in the day, they would hand me, I don't know if any of you, all you people right here, remember this, but there was this thing called the Sears catalog or the J.C. Penny catalog. Yes, can I get some amens on that, okay? Yes, and so my grandparents would hand me the Sears catalog, and they would say, circle what you want for Christmas. And then Christmas would come, and it would be there, and it was the greatest thing ever, okay? So gifts are a really big deal to me, okay? Now, I was thinking about this, about how, like, crazy obsessed I am with gifts, and I want to tell you a little story. So throw up that next picture for me, okay? Um, nope, not that one. Oh, uh, we'll come back to that. Now, uh, the, the clueless one, clueless one. There we go. Anybody remember this movie from back in the day? Yes? You all are judging me right now. I know you are. I know your thoughts. I can see them in your head right now. Okay. I watched this movie so many times with my best friend growing up that we, like, wore out the tape. I promise you. Okay, I love this movie. So next picture. So Alicia Silverstone. How many of you remember Alicia Silverstone? Okay, so I was obsessed with her. Okay. So I ended up meeting this girl named Sarah that looked a lot like her. Okay. Now, everybody came to me and warned me, like on a scale of one to crazy, she is beyond crazy. I mean, she is just like not so crazy. And she was. She was insane. I would be on the way to her house, and she'd be like, hey, how far away are you? I'd be like 20 minutes away. And then she would call five minutes later, where are you? I'm like 15 minutes away. She would call five minutes later, where are you? I'm like 10 minutes away. She would call five minutes later, where are you? Five minutes away. And I'd be like, I'm going to stab you tonight, you know? Like, I am, you are insane, you know? So I'm dating this girl for about six months, and my buddies are like, listen, she's got to go. Like, she is bat crazy, just insane, like rabies crazy. And I'm like, yes, I know. And... But I told him, I was like, guys, I was like, Christmas is like in three weeks, and her family's super loaded. And I was like, Christmas is coming. So sure enough, I waited three weeks, went to Christmas morning, got a truckload of presents. The very next day after Christmas, called her up and was like, yeah, this isn't going to work out anymore. I'm sorry, but we're, uh, we're done. We can pray for my 17-year-old soul later. You know what I mean? That was some dark days back in the day. But that's how much I love presents. I was like, listen, you're going to buy me presents, so I can put up with your craziness for three more weeks for some more presents for sure. Now, growing up, my favorite present gift that I probably ever got when I was a kid growing up has to be this. Throw this up there on the screen. Is Super Nintendo. Okay, listen. Nintendo was great, and then they made it super. I mean, come on. I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that, okay? They gave more buttons on the controller. Next picture. They gave my man Mario uh, a beautiful green dinosaur to walk around with and the I mean Yoshi just took my mind to new realms I had never seen before okay and then there was this next game I throw NCAA basketball my life was complete okay now so I was thinking about this the other day I was thinking about Super Nintendo and I was thinking about my uh my brother my younger brother Johnny okay now my younger brother Johnny's married and He's awesome guy. He's been in the military, went to Iraq a bunch of times, fought for us. Just awesome, super guy. But when we were growing up, my brother Johnny, when we would play Mario, 
And what I'm about to tell you is 100% true. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating at all. When we would play Mario, you know, like, and I wasn't great at video games. I'm just going to be honest with you. I would, like, play Mario a lot, but I would die a lot, okay? Every single time Mario died, he, like, believed that Mario died. Like, Mario was dead dead and I promise you he would stream tears and like run through our house screaming Mario's dead you know what I mean and then I'd be like Mario's back and he'd be like oh awesome you know what I mean and then Mario would die and he would cry again like over and over and over again to the place that my mom was like get this demon machine out of our house like this is not staying work because my brother was psychotic about this okay I promise you Mario was dead but now I'm going to help you get into my mind a little bit so I'm driving around the other day and I'm thinking about that story. I'm kind of like laughing to myself, thinking about like my brother. I remember one time he got so upset that Mario died that he threw the mattress off the bed. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool, you know. So I was thinking about my brother the other day and just thinking about that whole scenario. And it really made me start to think about a lot of times this kind of like up and down happens the same way in our lives as it relates to our relationship with Jesus. These extreme highs and these extreme lows, where one minute we totally, 100% believe that Jesus is for us, where we get a few days later where we're like, man, God, where are you? Do you even exist? Do you even love me? Do you even care about me? And we ride this roller coaster. So I wrote this out, okay? Um, I really believe this. There's these times that we have these, what we would call good days, Okay, so let's talk about a good day. Maybe on the good day you decided, I'm going to buy donuts and coffee for everybody, and when I get to work or I get to school or I get to wherever I'm going, I'm going to make sure that so-and-so has their jelly donut and so-and-so has their sprinkled donut, and we got the right coffee and the right creamer, and I'm going to make sure that everybody feels super blessed today. Or in your good day, maybe you decided to clean the house or be generous to somebody, or you decided to grab the lunch check so that not everybody at the table had to pay or you kept your cool with your kids and you didn't freak out on them or instead of like you know stealing a parking spot at the mall which I want to right now so bad when I go to the mall because it's crazy you actually let somebody else have the parking spot and so on these days that we consider to be good days we see ourselves from the perspective of what God loves me and I am worthy of God's goodness and grace in my life, right? This is how we feel. We feel like, oh, I had a good day. So obviously God is super proud of me. And because he's super proud of me, then I can expect God's goodness and grace and love to flow. Now, if we flip it, we talk about days that aren't so good, okay? Maybe you yelled at your spouse or you yelled at a friend, Okay? Maybe you were completely selfish that day, or maybe you were rude to a coworker, or maybe you gave into an addiction that you've been fighting for for years and years and years, or maybe you didn't trust God, or maybe you got caught up in lust somehow, and maybe you had a bad day. Now how do you see yourself? How do you view yourself? Well, now you view yourself because you're frustrated. You're frustrated at yourself. You feel guilt and shame. You feel now what? I am not worthy. I'm not worthy to accept God's grace or receive God's grace because guess what? I had a bad day, correct? 
And the reality is this, is that just like my brother had these crazy extreme highs and lows with this game Mario Brothers, we have the same thing going on in our own life, in our own soul with Jesus, where we have days where like, man, I feel so good about my relationship with Jesus. I feel so good about where we're going together. I feel so good about life just to maybe have a couple days later where you fail and you're like, man, I don't even know if I'm worthy anymore. I don't know if God's grace can really abound to me. I don't know if it can really take care of my life. And so today we're going to talk about this gift that we have in Jesus, this gift of righteousness, this gift of his grace, this gift of his goodness and how we stand with him. So three things say, number one is this, write this down. If you're writing down notes, you can write down, you're a son and a daughter. You're a son and a daughter. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 16 says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, you are children of God. Children of God. You know, I'm turning 38 this summer, which freaks me out because there's two more years till 40. And I think my whole life growing up, I thought 40 like, you got to be super mature when you're 40, you know, and I'm like, I'm not super mature, and maybe that'll happen, like, the day I turn 40, it'll just be like a, like, God just goes mature, you know what I mean, and I'm mature all of a sudden, but the reality is this, is I still see myself as a child of God. When I talk to my dad in heaven, I just, it's, maybe it's weird to you, but I just see myself as, like, this 10-year-old boy just coming to talk to my dad. I'm a child of the Most High. He's my dad. He's my father. It says this. When he adopted you as his own children, he now calls, we now call him Abba Father. Verse 16. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are the children of God. So what is Romans telling us? Once part of the family always a part of the family. Once part of the family, always a part of the family. You know, the reality is this, is that um, my boys are never not a part of my family, even when they make mistakes. You know, uh, Ben, our middle son, failed a, uh, a test. Throw that picture up there of the Christmas picture real quick, in case you don't know. That's Michael. He's over there, and he's awesome and Ben he's great and Luke's three and he's crazy right now and you can see it the like craziness in his eyes right now you know what I mean but Ben he had a spelling test and uh, he failed the spelling test and you know I don't know why schools do this but when you fail something they do what they make you take it home to your mom and dad and make mom and dad sign it so that you can bring home. And I'm just like, listen, I failed the test. You don't have to rub it in my face. You know what I mean? Like, it's bad enough I failed the test, but now you're going to make me take it home. And so Ben took it home, and, and I had to, you know, Jess had to sign her name, and we knew that Ben failed the test. But the reality is this. Ben failed, but it didn't negate that he's a part of the family. We didn't go... Hey, Ben, uh, sorry, bro, you failed the test, man. Uh, pitched a 10 outside for you tonight, and, uh, you know, you're kind of excommunicated from the compound tonight, so uh, we'll see you later, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't happen. 
He's a part of the family. Once a part of the family, always a part of the family. And the difference is this, is that sometimes we don't understand this because we don't get it because life treats us so differently, correct? I mean, think about everything else in life outside of intimate family. It tells us the opposite. It tells me that if I don't make you happy, you're going to do what? Get rid of me. Like our job, we're always trying to do what? We're trying to keep our boss happy, right? We're trying to make sure that they're smiling, they're laughing, they're making money, they're having a good time, because if they're having a good time, what? You're having a good time, correct? And so my perpetual understanding is always I want to keep you happy, or even sometimes in friendships and relationships. And to be honest with you, you can get to the depths of a relationship really quickly when you figure out is the only time you like me is when I make you happy. And sometimes you can figure out that you have some pretty shallow shallow relationships sometimes based on the only time you want to spend time with me is when I agree with you or like you or we agree on everything. But the reality is this, is this is not our relationship with Jesus. This is not what the Bible communicates to us about life. Shannon, will you, if there's heat on, will you turn it off? I'm about to... It is so hot here right now. If you're cold, God bless you, but I am frying hot right now. Here, I want to read this quote to you really quick, okay? It says this about the spirit of adoption. We're talking about this in the book of Romans, the spirit of adoption, Jesus adopting us into his family. It says this, according to Greco-Roman culture of adoption, that's a mouthful to say, Greco-Roman culture of adoption, a man had the right to adopt a son or a daughter and to confer on that child all the legal rights and privileges that would be given to a natural child. Meaning this, that when I adopt a child, if I was to adopt a child, I bring them into my home, they get everything that I have. Everything that I own is now theirs. You know, the reality is this, you know, you know, Shannon and Christina understand this. When their kids come to my house, or when Ryan and Megan's kids come to my house, those kids just go into my pantry like it's their own house, and I love it. I love that they feel confident to just come to Pastor Jeff's house, and if there's a juice box, that juice box is for me. If there's cookies, those cookies are for me. Whatever's in Pastor Jeff's house, it is for me too. This is the spirit spirit of adoption. This is what God says. He says, listen, when you make me Lord of your life, you are now grafted in, you are now brought in to my family, and whatever privileges, blessings, benefits happen in my family, you now get to receive them and be a part of them. This is the spirit of adoption, okay? Now, the question is this. Is there anything that can separate us outside of his love in the family, right? Because this is how we see ourselves. We see ourselves based upon, is God happy with me? If God's happy with me, then I get to receive the benefits and the blessings of the family. But if God is not happy with me, then I'm now not able to receive those things, correct? So is there anything that can separate you? No, God's love can't separate you, but yes, there is one thing that can separate you, and it is this. It is you. It is you. Think about the book of Genesis. When sin entered the earth, what happens? Adam and Eve do what? They run. They run. They hide. 
And this happens a lot when we have failures and mistakes in life. We fail, we have a mistake, and we do what? We run and hide from God. We run and hide from our friends at church. We run and hide from a community. We run and hide because we don't want to be around that. But the reality is this. When my kids make mistakes, do I love them any less? And the answer is no. The truth is this, when my kids make mistakes, if anything, I want to get closer to them. I want to be closer to them because I want to help them to succeed and be victorious in life. God is the same way. When you fail, it's not that God is mad at you or frustrated at you. It's God going, I want to get close to you because I want to strengthen you right now. I want to empower you right now. Okay? When I fail or my kids fail in life, do I hold back my goodness from them? Just like the thing with Ben's spelling test. When Ben failed the spelling test, I didn't, you know, he didn't come home the night and go, all right, Ben, um, we really love you, but... You failed, so no food for you tonight, brother. You know what I mean? Like, I know you're super hungry, but, man, there's 24 hours so you can eat anything in this house. You know what I mean? This, again, I think is our perspective of God. It's like, oh, I failed, and somehow there's like this 24, 48-hour period where I have to self-loathe, and I have to beat myself up, and I have to think about such a, that I'm such a terrible person in the Lord, and that hopefully 24, 48 hours after I've gone through this, then I can redeem myself to be okay with God and receive his grace again, right? This happens all the time. We fail. Romans, or Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 talks about this. It says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, results in these things very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, sorcery. Who's doing sorcery nowadays? That's, I, I would, that's incredible. It happens. I know it does, okay? Hostility, quarreling. Quarreling. I saw a fight the other day outside in the parking lot at the school. I mean, it was legit, okay? There's people taking video of it, I promise you. Jealousy, outbursts of anger. I know that's me. That happens all the time with me. Selfish ambitions, dissension, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've told you before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So now's the question. Because the problem is this. We look at a list like this and we go, okay. Uh, yeah, that's happened this year. I got some of that stuff. And at the end here, it says that you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So does that mean that I'm not going to heaven? What, is that, what does that mean for my life? You got to read the read it correctly. It says that anyone living, living, meaning this is a lifestyle. This is my lifestyle. That the Lord is not the Lord of my life, but but sexual immorality is the Lord of my life. Does that make sense? Quarreling is the Lord of my life. Greed is the Lord of my life. He's saying. Those sorts of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's talking about is that we're going to make mistakes. Let's just say it. You're not going to be perfect. 
I'm not going to be perfect. There's going to have times that we're going to fail. So that comes to my second point. My second point is this. Stop riding the ride. Stop riding the ride. When I, when I was um, growing up, I hated the idea of going to this place called Great America. Anybody ever been to Great America or heard of Great America? Okay, Kings Island, okay, yeah, it's like a Kings Island, okay. It was in Chicago. And uh, my buddies convinced me one time to go to Great America, and we went, and we rode a couple rides, and I was already, like, queasy and, you know, ready to Ralph and everything like that. And I'll never forget, they took me, and they, we got on this ride. We, we went up these stairs, and then we went down these stairs, and we got into the cylinder. It was a round cylinder. And everybody stood against the wall, okay? And the cylinder started slowly turning, and eventually got faster and faster and faster and faster. And then all of a sudden, the floor drops because it's going so fast. There's that G-force and the grab. There's no gravity, and you're stuck against the wall. And so I'm stuck against the wall, and at this point, there is no hope. There is no turning back, and I just Ralph, okay? I just Ralph, and it goes straight out, okay? Now, remember, there's no gravity, okay? So it's just hanging there. It's sitting in midair, and everybody on the ride is staring at the puke that is sitting there in the middle of the air, okay? And eventually, you know, the ride comes to an end, and the floor comes up, and it gets slower and slower, and then finally it went just like that. I mean, it just, it just, it just hit everybody on the ride. I mean, everybody got a taste of what I ate that day. That's, that is for sure, okay? Now, again, I'm not a big ride person, okay? Like, I went to Great America. Again, I went to Great America with my friends again. Why did I go back? Who knows, okay? We got on this ride called the Raging Bull, okay? Get on the Raging Bull. Somehow they have this mechanical failure where our seatbelts, they locked us in, and they wouldn't unlock, and the ride kept going over and over and over. So we went on the Raging Bull five times in a row and when I was done I was like Jesus help me I mean I was just like every time you're like you get to the end and you're like oh you know what I mean and just here we go again oh, you know, and here we go again you know listen this happens in our relationship with God all the time we're on this crazy roller coaster because we don't understand the difference between what Galatians was saying there. It's saying if you're living this sort of life, there's a difference between what I call is willful sin. Willful sin. Meaning this. I know what is wrong. I don't care what is wrong. I still want to do what I want to do because I want to please my flesh. So even though I know what's wrong, and even though the Spirit is convicting me of what is wrong, I'm still going to do what is wrong because I want that. Now, that's what Galatians is talking about. Galatians is saying, those people, the Lord is not the Lord of their life. Sin is the Lord of their life. They have not made a change in their life. But we don't understand the word enough, and we don't get it enough in we have a hard time with this because we ride this roller coaster up and down of God's happy with me, God's mad at me. God's happy with me, God's mad at me. God's happy with me, God's mad at me. John chapter 14 and uh, verse, I'm going to just skip down to verse 26. Verse 26 says, Jesus said this, when the Father sends the advocator as a representation of this, 
the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 5 says this, But we who live by the Spirit eagerly await to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. So what happens when we fail? The Holy Spirit comes to remind us of all things. That's the Spirit's job. Jesus said, I'm leaving so that the Holy Spirit can come. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come and he will lead and guide and direct you. I promise you, it happens on a daily basis where I will fail and the Holy Spirit will go, didn't handle that right. You didn't talk to your wife right. You didn't handle that situation with your kids right. You didn't handle that situation at work right. Is it because God's mad at me? No. It's because God sees more in me. And God knows through his power that I can succeed in life. You can succeed in life. So the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you and to speak to you about all things. Okay? The Holy Spirit's job is also to remind you of what? That by faith, you are the righteousness of Christ. So even though you fail. And you will fail. And if you don't fail, God bless you. You'll just get raptured. You'll be perfect. And God will just take you home. And that's awesome. But if, if you're like me, just human, there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And on those bad days, the Holy Spirit's job is to do what? To remind you, you are the righteousness of Christ. The moment you made the Lord the Lord of your life, you were righteous. And you couldn't be any more righteous today than the moment that you accepted Jesus 10 years ago. You're righteous. So the Holy Spirit's job is there to remind me of who I am in Christ Jesus. That I'm a son. That you're a daughter. Sons and daughters. And sons and daughters don't worry about when they make mistakes, ultimately. When my kids make mistakes, yes, you know, Michael was in a jumpy house the other night, and he was in the jumpy house, and some kid flung his arm and broke Michael's glasses, and he was really upset, and he called me on the phone, and he said, Dad, this kid broke my glasses, and I'm so sorry, and I could hear him. He was really upset because he knew that it was going to cost us money to go buy him some more glasses, but I told him, I said, son, I said, it's just money. I said, I love you. That's the truth. When we fail, good parents go, no, you're a part of the family. You're always a part of the family because I love you. And this is Jesus, the one who gave his life, the one who sacrificed his body for you. If he, could, if he would sacrifice his body for you, why would he turn his back on you? It makes zero sense at all. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says this. For you've been called to live in freedom. That's the ultimate call as a believer. When we believe in Christ Jesus is to get to the place that we do overcome in this life. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, I have mistakes. But ultimately, the calling is to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, it goes on to say, but do not use this freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but instead use your freedom to serve one another in love. 
Listen, God's grace and his righteousness comes to what? Empower me to overcome in this world so that I can do what? Take the love and the grace and the righteousness that God's given me and pass it along to somebody else. It's to grab somebody else's hand and say, let me teach you about the righteousness of Christ. Let me teach you about his love. Let me teach you about his grace. Let me teach you that you are someone who can overcome in this life. Our lives are called to be a representation to other people that says, if God did it in their life, he can do it in mine. No matter what it is. A few weeks ago, somebody in our church came to me and said, hey, um, I'm just believing. This happened multiple times over the last two years. People go, I'm just believing that God could give me the grace to stop smoking. I said, you better believe it better believe it. It doesn't matter what you got going on in your life. God's grace abounds to empower you to overcome in this life. So what changes? Does God's love or grace change for you? No, it's your view. How I see myself. How do I see myself? When I wake up in the morning, how do I see myself? Do I see myself through God's love and grace? Or do I see myself through my mistakes and my failures and the things that I did yesterday? And the enemy is really good at reminding you of those things, isn't he? He's really good at telling you what you've done wrong. Leads me to our third point is this. As sons and daughters, what is my rights and promises? Okay? As a son and a daughter, what is the rights and the promises that God's given me? Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, and it says this, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, he empowers you to do what? It says this, when the Holy Spirit, he produces this kind of fruit in our lives, okay? So are we talking about apples and oranges? Are we talking about bananas and talking about pears, you know? No, he's talking about fruit. He's saying everyday life, everyday life. God's concerned with your everyday life. God's concerned with your relationship with your boss. God's concerned with the relationships you have with friends. God's concerned with your uh, relationship you have with your spouse. God is concerned about everyday life and that in everyday life you win and become victorious in life. So in everyday life, you produce what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So this is God's promise to me, that I can live a life of peace. How awesome is that? You got a bill that came in the mail? You can live in peace. Got somebody talking bad about you? You can live in peace. Got somebody mistreating you at work? I can live in peace. This is my promise. These are my rights. Love is a right to me. Joy is a right to me. Peace is a right to me. Goodness is a right to me. These are God's promises to me. God promises me peace in my soul. Why do I have peace in my soul? Because I know what the Bible has clearly said about my life and your life, that I am 
righteous because he is righteous. I am okay because of what he accomplished on the cross. I am a beloved son or daughter because he adopted me into the family. So why do I have peace? Because I know what the word of God says. I know what it says about me. God promises me goodness in this life. Even when I fail. Even when you fail. You're a part of the family. And when you're a part of family, you are now, you now get to receive the goodness in the family. My rights. God promises me I can overcome sin. Through what? Self-control. He empowers me with self-control. You know, I, I don't ever talk about this. I used to talk about this all the time when I was a youth pastor, but for some reason I can feel it right now. I remember, like, I remember when students would come to me and they would go, how did you stop smoking marijuana? Because kids would come to me all the time and they'd be like, man, I love marijuana. I'd be like, yeah, I remember those days. And they'd go, how'd you stop? I go, I don't, I don't know, but it was just one day it was like God's strength and His grace was enough. And I had self-control and I could say, you know what? I don't need this addiction anymore. And I said, just stay on the journey with Jesus. Just keep going after Jesus. Just keep going after His grace, His strength. It'll empower you. And I don't know what you need to put in there. And, and obviously it's been 20 years ago that I was dealing with that. And today the word marijuana is just a different word I still have struggles you know I was talking to the guys this week about you know when I get stressed out my struggle is anger that's my struggle when stress comes I get angry and my mouth gets angry doesn't it <laughs> Matt's like yes 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 it does so I don't know what you need to put there but God's grace gives you the self-control to what? To overcome, to be victorious. God promises me that he'll fill me with his love, and when I'm full of his love, it flows out of me. And this, today, is what I'm talking about, living the victorious life in Jesus. Victorious life in Jesus. A life that truly does overcome. A life that truly says, because of Jesus, I can. Because of his grace, I am. Because of who he is, I am able to be all that he's called me to be. That's what we have in Jesus. And then we stop living the roller coaster. Get off the roller coaster. Listen. Ryan Wonderly said this to me. He goes, try to do this for three months. He said, for three months, try to say out of your mouth about your life, I am the righteousness of Christ in Christ Jesus. For three months. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it after like six days. I'm like, I'm a terrible human being. I'm horrible, God. You know what I mean? It's so hard. It's so hard to see yourself the way God sees you. But God the Father loves you desperately. And wants you to win and overcome in this life. Amen. Would you stand up this morning? That's what I want to do. Would you grab a hand, somebody next to you? Now, everybody, look at me real quick, okay? Let, let's just be real for 
for a second, okay? There's not one of us in this room that doesn't struggle with something. Not one. Now, here's the reality. I can say, hey, if you're struggling with something, throw your hand up. And I promise you it'd be like four hands that go up. You know what I mean? Literally, it'd be like, like oh, I don't know, maybe, you know? But what's the reality? A hundred out of a hundred here today, we're all dealing with stuff, amen? But that doesn't mean that we have to continue to live in it, right? We get to live victoriously in Christ Jesus, amen? Okay? Go pray with Procopio. You're staying right there by yourself, man. So let's do this. I'm going to pray over you, and I want you to pray for the person on your, on your left or your right. And we're going to pray grace and strength in your life. And we're going to pray that God's grace and strength gives you the ability to overcome this week. Amen? You know what happens when you overcome? Joy fills your soul. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can do it. I can do it. In God's grace, I can do it. And when joy fills your soul, faith fills your soul. And all of a sudden, you're like, yes. As it says in the word, I can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Faith rises. That's what I want to see happen this week. I want to see joy fill your soul. I want to see faith rise. And I want to see us overcome. Amen? Does that sound good? All right, come on. Pray for one another real quick. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Glorify Jesus. Worship Thank you, God, for your grace. Father, I just thank you that you came to overcome. And so I just speak to those addictions. I speak to that bondage right now, those strongholds in their life, and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I tell you to be gone, and I plead the blood of Jesus upon these souls right now in Jesus' name. And I release grace. Grace. Supernatural grace. Strength to abound right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that we are children of the Most High. There is nothing that you wouldn't hold back from us. We thank you, God, for a full measure of your grace, full measure of your strength, full measure of your love that satisfies our souls. Father, I thank you, God, for strength to overcome this week, strength to overcome bondage and sin. God, we praise you. Thank you that in you, we are more. We are more in you. So we thank you for the strength. We thank you for the grace. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak from heaven, revealing all things, speaking to souls, speaking to minds. I pray that you'd be so clear this week, Holy Spirit. So clear. So clear. So clear in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you in Jesus' name.